Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of Design Curious Podcast. I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. Today on the podcast, I have Xandra Zara. She is a wonderful person you're going to want to get to know. She also has a podcast that you'll want to check out. And before we get to that, just want to remind you, check out the show notes and all the links that I have available for free downloads to get your career started the right way. So let me tell you a little bit more about Zandra. She is the founder of Slow Home Style, an interior design coaching platform for passionate homeowners. She's currently writing a book about her slow style approach to design to be released in spring 2025 through Gibbs Smith. Zandra is also the host of the popular podcast, Slow Style Home, which has logged over 300 interviews with the most creative people working in the interiors industry. Within the first year, Slow Style Home landed on the coveted iTunes new and noteworthy list and is now in the top 5% of most downloaded podcasts across all categories globally. The show has reached over 1 million downloads and counting. Her business, formerly known as Little Yellow Couch, has been featured in many media outlets such as Domino, Better Homes and Gardens, USA Today, and Podcast Magazine. Zandra has been a speaker at several creative business conferences in the U.S. and Canada, talking about business at podcasting and design. So let's get to it. You're now listening to Design Curious, a place where you, creative one, are here to learn about what it really is like to be an interior designer. And I'm your host and mentor, Rebecca Ward. If you're worried about how to succeed in a creative career, if you're ready to learn your next steps to become an interior designer, and if you want the satisfaction of doing something you love every day, you are in the right place. Grab a coffee, a notebook, and let's dig into today's episode. Hi, Xandra. Welcome to Design Curious Podcast. So great to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, and I am very curious about your path and where your business has come in the last few years. I've looked a little bit at your bio and everything, which I've already shared in the opening, but let's talk a little more about that and your backstory and the origins of Slow Style Home podcast. Yeah. So I know many of your listeners are probably in design school or thinking about going to design school. And many, many designers do have those credentials. I do not, and not all designers do. I really came to it from a place of just wanting to do something creatively. I had stopped working for a while when my kids were little, and I wanted to get back into something and didn't really know what that was going to look like. And it's a long story. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to (laughs) letting you know that what I started doing with a business partner was blogging. And we were blogging more generally about lifestyle. And this was at a time when blogs were, it was pretty saturated, right? It was Mm -hmm. really hard to kind of get past the noise to get any kind of notice in the blogosphere. Mm -hmm. And so we started thinking about podcasting because podcasting was pretty new at the time. This was seven years ago, but we couldn't, we were like, okay, but a podcast is audio. How do you do a design podcast that's only audio with no visual? And then we finally sort of realized, well, but we could talk about why design is important, what it does for the person who is living in a well-designed home, Mm -hmm. a home that reflects them, their values, their passions, that is set up in a way for conversations to flow or to get a good night's sleep or to promote family connectedness, all of those Mm -hmm. things that designers really do help people with. And so we just started interviewing designers. 
And then a couple of years in, my business partner left. And at this point, I had really fallen in love with podcasting as a medium. And like many people, I mean, I've been interested in design from a very young age, you know, always researching it and looking into it just for my own interest. And at this point, I was really in it. I mean, I was basically giving myself an education in terms of really understanding the fundamentals of design, the best practices of design. You know, I'm not like I didn't learn anything about building codes and all the mm -hmm. other stuff that designers have to yeah. know, but I knew about aesthetic, you know, and yeah. I, I really was training my eye. And of course, moving around a lot and having the opportunity to experiment in my own home. So that's kind of where I was at in terms of my level of awareness of what made for good design. And then I had all of these interviews with all of these designers yeah. about the meaning behind it. And out of that really came my own philosophy, my own approach to creating a beautiful, meaningful home. What I started to do was kind of take apart how I had trained myself. How did I develop my eye? How did I know what worked and what didn't? Really paying attention to all of the details. And by going backwards and trying to figure out, well, how do I do it? Because now it feels so automatic and so intuitive. Mm -hmm. How did I do it? I thought I can maybe teach other people how to do it in their own homes as well. Mm -hmm. And I have gone in and done design consultations for people and worked with people kind of one-on-one, -on -one, more like a design client relationship. I didn't love it. More passionate about helping people figure out how to do it themselves, because I think the process of design is actually a great way to do some self-reflection. I like taking people on that process. Mm, okay. So I have the podcast. I'm interviewing all these great designers. I'm kind of starting to develop my own framework for how to teach it. And then fast forward to now I have a framework. I've been teaching the framework in online courses. I have a membership for design enthusiasts and going to be writing a book, or I am supposed to already have started writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> the deadline is is coming in the middle of, of 2024. So yes, that's kind of the arc. That's the story arc. Wow. So Slow Style Home is intended for the non-designer, like more the general public, right? Exactly. So trying to teach someone who maybe has an inclination for DIY or like wants to explore a little more of doing their own design for their exactly. own home. Okay. And I have kind of a particular focus, I guess, which is helping people who love, the, the general public loves design. And we've got HGTV and we've got Pinterest and we've got Instagram and all this stuff. And the, the design, the, the home decor industry has just boomed over the past decade. And what I really want to help people do is not to just keep buying stuff, not to keep buying disposable decor and following the trends. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, the you know, the, the, that's what I'm really going for here is mm -hmm. to try to keep things out of landfills and to make sure that people are making really meaningful choices that have a lasting impact. So I'm definitely on that side of the scale as mm -hmm. opposed to the side of the scale of like, let me teach you how to do an instantaneous makeover and, you know, right. you like you're on a TV show. And so mm -hmm. I'm not really in that area. Yeah. So you're teaching the public how to be more sustainable in their designs and more yes. green forward. Yeah. I was having this conversation just recently with my sister, who is someone who will go thrifting for old vintage clothing and resell it in her Etsy shop. Yeah. And we talked about how at a certain period in the last century, like around, you know, the 60s, when a lot of man-made fibers came into being and yeah. then 
the production became much less expensive that we started having more throwaway clothing and things that wouldn't last. And so she's always looking for things that happened before that time in history that can last a hundred years. Like someone knit a sweater that's still great from a hundred years ago. And, and, you know, so, yes. So that definitely, and I told her at that time, I'm like, yeah, that's just like furniture industry. Like we used to make furniture that would last. You'd want to hand it down to your family because it was still great shape and sturdy, well-made. And now we have throwaway furniture because people want it quick. They want it not very expensive. And what they like might not be something that their family likes. So they're not necessarily handing it down to their family. Right. And not even oh. intending to or thinking they, they're even thinking, well, I'm going to get rid of it in five years. So mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, very yeah. kind of trend heavy. I say that a lot about rugs because people, you know, one of the things they say, well, I'm not going to invest in a really great Turkish rug. I'm going to go get sort of the knockoff version because, you know, I don't want to ruin it or I've got small kids and they might spill something on it. I've got a cat or whatever. And I'm like, these rugs have been around already for a hundred years you're not going to damage it anymore. Don't worry about it. That's the beauty of these things as opposed to buying the thing that's, you know, synthetic and made to last only a couple of years, you're going to start seeing the wear and tear right away. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah, and maybe this is a part of your slow style approach, but understanding that not everything needs to look Pinterest perfect all the time, like things that have character can be a part of the story, a part of your story, you know, and not having it look picture perfect all the time. You know, it looks like it's been used and loved and worn. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, that's just the reality of life, right? I mean, any designer, you know, you you want to design for real lives, for real mm-hmm. homes, real people and what they're going through. I think that's when a year later or five years later, they want to redo something else. They're going to come back to you as a designer, because you kind of understood that it wasn't just about the ta-da moment, the oh my gosh, this looks so pretty. It needs to work for how the family is working and for the lifestyle that they have. I think that makes one of the differences between a great designer and and someone who's kind of more like a a personal shopper. Yeah, that we need to educate our client to understand the value of spending a little bit more money for something they'll have 10 years longer. Yes, Yes. I think designers do a lot of education with Mm -hmm. their clients for sure, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the slow style approach to design. And Sure. Uh, so kind of picking up where I left off with the background is that, so I'm, I'm kind of developing this approach. I'm trying to figure out, well, what are my values? How do I make decisions? How have I developed my eye? And I realized one of the main things is that it has developed slowly and over time. It has been a long learning process because I didn't go to school for it. So I didn't Mm -hmm. learn it all at once in four years or two years if you're getting a master's degree. And I've learned it through trial and error and through literally moving furniture around my house constantly and repainting things and understanding now about paint and how it really matters what kind of natural lighting you have. That's going to affect the paint color and the mood and all that kind of thing. But I've also been looking at this this idea of self-reflection because that has been what it's been for me in my own home. That's why I love it so much is that I'm realizing that there's a part of me that wants to change or has changed, has evolved. You know, the kids get older, so they go through all these different stages. So your house is doing that too. And if that's mm-hmm. reflecting back to you, not just where you've been and who you are, but also who you want to become, 
then that to me is a very fulfilling way to decorate. And decorate, of course, has gotten kind of, you know, like kind of people roll their eyes when we use the word decorate because it sounds kind of, you know, superfluous. But it it really, I mean, that's what people used to call themselves. Designers didn't call themselves designers. They called themselves decorators, right? And I just think it's a very rewarding process to go through. So all of those ideas, those kind of philosophy was coming together and slow style seemed to really fit. It seemed to be a really good way to describe that. Mm-hmm. So that's where the name came from. And then the framework, which is basically there's three principles that I believe kind of apply to any household, any budget, anywhere that I just talk about. And then there's there are four skills that I think one needs to develop in order to create this beautiful, meaningful home. Some of them are regular old design principles that you would learn in a design school. And then others are really geared toward the person who's not looking to make a career out of it. They need to learn how to develop their eye. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the other skills. Education is a skill, you know, just soaking up everything that you can, listening to podcasts, magazines, going on trips, all of that sort of thing. And then there are five design elements that I, I think you'll see in pretty much any home that follows this philosophy of mine. So there's Mm -hmm. five elements that you'll see in any slow styled home. And the reason why I did that, added this to the framework is because, again, when you're talking to people who aren't designers, who maybe can't articulate design, because sometimes it's kind of, it's more amorphous. It's not, you know, it's hard to describe. I want them to know it when they see it. I felt like I needed to paint the visual picture. These are the things that are probably going to show up in a slow styled home. So that's the framework. And uh, yeah, so that's what I teach. That's exciting. That's really great. Yeah. So how long have you had the slow style program and membership? I started teaching classes before the pandemic. So that would have been 2018, I think, is when I did my first class. And actually before that, I was hosting in-person design retreats, which I was purely a way for me to monetize the podcast Mm -hmm. and to have a fantastic weekend. Like it was like my dream weekend. This is what I would want to do. I'd want to be with a bunch of people who are also design geeks. And we would go to a fabulously, beautifully designed place and have fabulous food. And we would learn something about design. That's kind of what I I did pre-pandemic. And also not a bad idea for designers. If Mm -hmm. you're looking for another way to monetize other than Mm -hmm. just doing one-on-one clients, hosting workshops and retreats is, I think it's really fun. It also is a way for you to really get to know what the pain points are of your Mm -hmm. potential clientele and be able to speak in their words when you're with them one-on-one for a day or for a weekend to really hear their language around what do they want? What do they want from their homes? What's blocking them? What are their obstacles? Mm. What are their visions? And you hear them in their words, you could plug that right into your marketing. Yeah, That's how people start going, oh my gosh, this designer is like, she's speaking in my head. I, I feel <laughs> like she knows my personal private thoughts, yeah. which is the, what that's what you Perfect. want. That's yeah. the connection you want, <laughs> connection you want between yourself and a potential client. Yeah. So anyway, I have not done those since the pandemic because I've just been focused on these other things, but that's- sure. Thing. How fun. So, you interview a lot of designers for your podcast, and you mentioned that this is a great way for designers to market their business and, you know, to going on a podcast. So, what is your recommendation for designers to use this strategy? 
Yeah, I love talking about this. In fact, I speak at a lot of conferences that are about the business of design, and it's usually something around this topic, mm-hmm. how to pitch yourself to a podcast, how to get that media, and, and then what to do with it afterwards. And I, I actually think what's helpful about this is that in crafting your pitch, if you really spend some time crafting a pitch, you're going to actually refine your own business plan, your own mission statement. It's just a wonderful exercise in marketing in general, not just, I mean, it's great marketing for your landing page, for your homepage, you know, not just for getting on a podcast. So basically the reason you want to get on podcasts is because just like you and I are having a conversation right now, you might have the attention of someone for maybe a half an hour, right? Mm-hmm. We're in your ears. Hopefully you feel like you're involved. You know, you're sitting in on the conversation that like the three of us are just having a little cup of coffee and a private yeah. conversation. It's very intimate, right? Yeah. And it gives you a chance to really share who you are, your personality, your beliefs, your values. They really get to know you. There is no other media outlet out there that can do that for you. Magazines, people flip through quickly. Instagram, Mm -hmm. people scroll through quickly. Maybe they'll read a blog post, but they don't care so much anymore about who wrote the blog post. They're just Googling the information. So a podcast is this fabulous, sometimes underutilized platform for designers to really set themselves apart. So Mm -hmm. that's the reason to do it. And then in terms of how to do it, you have to remember that the podcaster, this is their content. They are producing a podcast. Usually it's a weekly show and they need to give their listeners a reason to tune in. In other words, they need a hook. What's the hook for this week's episode? Why are we listening? What am I going to get out of this? In order to have a hook, you need to be really clear about what sets you apart from all the other designers. Mm -hmm. What is your belief system? What is your approach? What is your philosophy? What are you passionate about? What kind of clients do you want to have? And in the back of the mind, you should know what kind of clients you don't want to have. Because if you say, I design homes for everyone, you're designing homes for no one. Yeah. That is way too generic. People hire designers because they want to feel like they're getting a really special, unique home. And they feel like they don't know how to do that themselves. And so if if everything on your website is kind of generic, then their eyes are going to gloss over it. So I'm looking kind of for the same thing that a client would be looking for, only they don't know that. They don't understand that it's marketing language, right? Yeah. So I am looking for your mission statement. I'm looking for what sets you apart. And I really think that you need to spend a little bit of time on other designers' websites, and you'll start to see that most about pages or their mission statement page or whatever, they all say the same thing or some Hmm. version of it. They all say... I design beautiful homes and I give every client my attention to detail so that their home isn't like anyone else's. You know, in other words, I tailor the design for every client. And that's basically all they say. Or their about page is simply a list of their credentials. This Mm. is the awards I've had. These are the degrees I have. That is not the first thing a client is interested in. It's definitely not the first thing a a podcast host is interested. We want to know what's the subject of this podcast episode going to be? What's the topic? Mm -hmm. So check your website, check your about page. Does it really show you off? Do I see a person there? Please don't write in the third person. Um, Mm -hmm. That's very common in design circles. It really puts up a wall between you and everybody else. So I'm looking at your website. I'm trying to understand if you've got something to say that's unique and different. 
And then I'm looking at the pitch itself. And if you could highlight a couple of those things, but then give me, I don't know, three topic ideas, go ahead and propose them. Yeah. In other words, don't just assume that the podcast host is going to come up with all of the questions. Mm -hmm. Again, they're thinking about what is the hook. So what specific thing can you talk about that would be of use to my listeners? You know, so for me, I might look for somebody say, oh, can you talk about sustainable design? What's going on in the sustainable design industry? Or more specifically, you know, how do people with a limited budget still create a sustainable house? How do people who aren't renovating still have a sustainable home? Or maybe you want to talk about biophilia and plants, or maybe you want to talk about neuroarchitecture, or maybe you want to talk about historic architecture and a particular way that you go about renovating, whatever, like give me some topics. And now I'm like, okay, I think I can work with this. Let's get this person on the show. And like I said, there's such a huge benefit to being on a podcast, this kind of exposure for 30 minute time slot or something like that. So then do something with it. So then the last piece is what do I do with this once I've been on the show? And yeah. designers never know what to do with it. It's like <laughs> they they're it's like they're embarrassed to be sort of bragging that they were on a podcast or in yeah. a magazine or on a TV show or whatever the media mm -hmm. outlet is, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> this is like gold. So now you want to promote the heck out of it. And I even give my guests a the code, the embed code, so they can put it right on their website. Because think about it. If you've got a client who is considering you, but they're also considering a few other people. And you've got right there on your homepage or somewhere very easily accessible, a 30-minute interview with you, they can so easily play that in their car. And then you've got their attention. Yeah, you, You're really putting forth a human being. And that person is going to remember you and you're going to be more likely to then hook that client mm -hmm. if they're the right client for you. I mean, if, if your personality is not what they're looking for, then- yeah. But you know what? I think that's better than you probably wouldn't want that client anyway. Right. It's a great that. filter process. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is so much great information. Do you ever, so when you get these pitches that aren't like up to what you're requiring, do you ever respond with this information that kind of coached them into? Like, uh, sometimes like, I do. I used to I know do it that a takes lot time, more. But, like, yeah, I could exactly. have a canned response, but. Exactly. Yeah. I used to do it a lot more but I don't have as much time now. I do yeah. get a lot of pitches and now I get, and you know, when we first started the podcast, I was going out looking for people, which I still do. Yeah. I still like to find the the gems, but I get a lot of pitches from publishers because their designer has written a book or from PR firms. Mm -hmm. So a designer yeah. has hired a PR firm. So I don't always respond. I will, if someone is really persistent, which I also recommend because mm -hmm. as you know, as a podcast host, you've got a ton of things on your plate yeah. and it could fall to the bottom. It could be overlooked in an inbox. So yeah, you're not bothering us, right? You're helping mm -hmm. us remember, oh yeah, I meant yeah. to get back to that person. Right. Because if I know that it's not going to be a good fit for the show and I haven't had time to just say that, then it's not bugging me. I'm just, you know, I'm either yeah. going to delete it or if you've been really persistent, I'm going to finally respond and say, so right. sorry, this isn't a good fit. Yeah. So I don't do a lot of that, giving that feedback on email. That's why I do like to do these conferences that designers go to as a way to try to help people. Okay. Uh, and then I've done a few one-off coaching sessions for people who just really want very personalized. Like, can you mm -hmm. please just read through my about page? Can you please look at my copy from my website? Can you please mm -hmm. look at this pitch? Then I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think even just the information that you've given in this episode, is really a great reference for everybody so. to tailor their message. And I think, you know, this is a, something that a lot of people struggle with 
but maybe framing it instead for pitching to someone like you to be on a podcast, sometimes that might be even easier approach than tailing their message for their ideal client, which is a little more nebulous. Like they don't know this person, but they know you like, I'm going to pitch it to Zandra, but I don't know my ideal client's name. So I'm just, you know, it's a harder sell. That's such a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're absolutely right because it's very similar, right? And and mm-hmm. if you've been through those marketing exercises where you're crafting your ideal customer persona, I always find those exercises to be really hard. I get the point of them. I get that the more specific you can be in your mind, the more clearly you're going to be talking directly to a single person, which is how everyone wants to be talked to. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be talked to as if they're one of thousands, right? Mm-hmm. We, we want to feel like you're talking just to me whether you're a client or a podcast host or a magazine editor or whatever. So that exercise of the ideal client thing, yeah, I think it's a good place to start, but Mm -hmm. I just don't, it can can only carry you so far. Whereas then if you're, if you're writing a pitch to, to me or to you or to somebody else, yeah, you start have to get really, really specific. What do I want to be known for? That's another really good question to ask. Mm -hmm. What do we want to be known for? Do I want to be known for an eclectic mix of old and new full of vibrant energy. That's very different than saying, oh, I tailor my design for whatever the client mm-hmm. wants, right? percent, yeah. So you have to not be afraid of niching down too far. You want to be, I want to be the one that's known for what I just said, right? Yeah. The old and new mix with vibrant energy. That's what I want to be known for. So I don't want to be known for the person who's going to come in and do modern farmhouse that's all white. And, you know, I. Yeah. it's not that you can't do that. It's just that, if I'm the client who wants the vibrant, eclectic look, then I want the person who specializes in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're that person, wow, you're the one I'm going to hire. Yeah, really, really good information. I love that. So you mentioned you're writing your book yeah, and that's going to be coming out in 2025. So tell us a little bit about book deals. Cause if I were to be <laughs> honest, I know that's probably in my three to five year plan. So yes, talk a little bit yes. more about this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. It has been so eye opening. other than, you know, I mean, I know the side of it where I'm getting pitched by a publisher to have an author on my show. I know nothing about the rest of the behind the scenes process. So this has been yeah. a huge education for me. I knew that once I had this framework laid out, and I had a name for it. And I had, you know, real step-by-step process of how to teach it. I thought, okay, I want to write a book. And you know what, that I kind of consider myself a writer, almost more than a designer, Hmm. probably because I I certainly have some of that imposter syndrome going around the uh, the design end of things, since I don't have a degree in design, Mm -hmm. even though I think my design chops are pretty good at this point. Mm But I just wanted to write a book. I know I wanted to. And I now it's like, oh, I I know exactly what I'm going to write it about. So I went through a very long process. It took two years. I started with a book proposal coach. Okay. I didn't even know that was a thing. But one of them, a book proposal coach, emailed me about a client of hers. And at the bottom of her signature, it said book proposal coach. And I went, oh, oh my gosh, what is that? Yeah. So I I hired her. Uh And over two years, and it took that long, mainly because I was doing other things, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) But it did take a long time. I learned about what goes into a book proposal, which is a lot more than you may imagine. It's like a 50-page document. And it is, there are a lot of very specific sections that publishers are looking for. And some of them are research sections. So you really got to do a lot of market research and a lot Mm. of target audience research. So it's not just about what's your vision for the design, but also on the marketing side of it. 
Then I had to hire a graphic designer because, because this is a design book, the visuals are very important. And they wanted to see what is my vision for the presentation of the material. So I had to mm-hmm. work with a graphic designer whom I love and trust, and she totally gets my vision. And so we put it together. And the way I would describe is that it ends up kind of looking like a magazine. Mm-hmm. It's got articles and it's got photos and it's got graphic design. So now you have this 40-page document or whatever it is. And then I had been advised heavily to find an agent as opposed to going directly to the publishers. Okay. So that's what I did. I sent it out to maybe nine agents. And here's a really interesting tip. This is how I found agents. You can't just Google literary agents yeah. and like <laughs> narrow it down. I looked through the books that some of my favorite designers mm. had written. And in the acknowledgments... Sometimes they'll say, oh, and I want to say thank you to my agent. And then they give a name. And then I Google the name. Like (laughs) I, you know, like you really have to do some sleuthing. So I did that, sent, found like about nine of them, sent out my proposal. And I was told by the book proposal coach, like, you know, you may have to try this several times to get on their radar. Luckily, I got two responses out of the nine and right out of the gate. And I was so excited I ended up signing with with one agent, Renaissance in LA, and then then it took another, I don't know, six months for them to put out the proposal to all the publishers. And so just, oh gosh, I think maybe two months ago, I finally, well, maybe like four months ago, I met with a publisher, an editor, and had a great conversation. And then that took another, they had to run it by their, you know, media, mm-hmm. marketing people, blah, 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 got the offer. And then it took another, at least another month and a half for legal to send me the contract. (laughs) So I think I just signed it recently. Come, you know, when I, you know, if I look back at the calendar, it hasn't been that long that I actually signed the contract, even though I had had a verbal offer for a couple months. So yeah, the whole process is very, very long. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow, but I'm sure worth it in the end. And you can get your book out there. Yeah. So the book will have the framework. Is that? Yes. I'll have pieces of the framework. It's going to have the three principles and then the five design elements that I think you see in every slow styled home. So we'll have those two things and I'll have some explanation about why certain things work and why they don't. Mm -hmm. And by the way, here's another thing that would be of interest to designers is that I am using photos from the designers I've interviewed. Oh, Not all of them, obviously, just a handful, Mm -hmm. like five Mm -hmm. or something, because I don't want to water it down with too many different designers. But if you have a great interview and you Mm -hmm. keep up with your podcast host and you check in with them and you say, hey, I just I did this new thing or I a new house I just designed came up. Would you mind sharing it on Instagram or whatever? I'm going to remember you when I'm going to write a book and go, oh, that's the designer I want to work with. That's the stuff I want to feature. So in any business, and yeah. I'm sure you'll agree with this, it's all about building relationships, right? Yes. You got to trust people. Yeah. 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 And maintaining those relationships. Yeah. And it's not just like, what can I get out of this one transaction? It's like, let's see where we go together. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also kind of like the slow style marketing approach. <laughs> it, is. Yes, it is. It is. Again, knew nothing about design or marketing, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago when I started this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so much good information just surrounding this philosophy of slow style, slow style lifestyle, really. It's just right. a winner, really. Exactly. Especially, I think in today's 
society, economy, you know, we're just like taking a step back and looking at like, what can we bring forward with us from the past? Like we don't have to do everything new. And so don't you feel like that's a big thing in our culture right now? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we're all going, oh my gosh, maybe this, we're going too fast. Maybe we need to slow down. AI is taking over the world. (laughs) Um, I'm addicted to my phone. You know, all the, I feel like slowing down is something that is, feels kind of appealing right now. And I think we kind of got a taste of it over COVID and there Mm -hmm. were aspects of COVID we liked. Mm -hmm. Not everything, most everything we didn't like, but there was that slowing down. Yeah. And actually being home and enjoying your home. home. And understanding the elements that you can bring into it. So, well, this has been so great. Is there any other uh, advice you would have for a designer who is coming or interested in the career coming from different avenue like you did? Mm. You might want to share with them. Yeah. I think if you don't want to go the design school route, I think just like anyone, you're going to have to do a lot of trial and error. You're going to have to find some guinea pigs. You're going to have to find some friends that say, hey, can you just remake my room? Mm-hmm. And you got to be prepared to do some free work for a little while. That's what you're going to photograph. That's what you're going to use as your portfolio. It's also how you're going to learn. You're not just learning about your own ability to design and how to apply design principles. You're also learning what it's like to work with and for someone because if you're looking to be a designer or you're a brand new designer, you may know all the design stuff, but you you probably, unless you have a business or marketing background, you, you don't know that stuff either. And when I talk to designers, half of what they do is business. Mm-hmm. The other half is the creative stuff. So yeah. you're really taking that opportunity to learn from your friends who you're, you know, doing a room makeover for or whatever is they're coming to you the way any client would, which is they may not be able to articulate what they want. They Mm -hmm. may not know what their style is. They may not know how to mix together what they already own with new stuff that they want to buy with the budget that they've given you. And so listen very closely to what they're asking you, the questions they're asking you. And then when they give you feel like you're showing them a mood board and they're giving you feedback, ask as, drill down, ask as many questions as you can so that they're clarifying to you what they're trying to say, because you may not feel that comfortable doing that with a client whom you don't know who's really paying you, but you probably would be comfortable with a friend. You know, say more. I don't know what you mean by that. Like, what am I saying to you that you don't understand, you know? So really, really use those opportunities, squeeze everything out of them, hire a really good photographer to take photos of that work for your portfolio. Mm -hmm. You know, professional photos are absolute key. They're a must. And then really pay attention to the copy on your website and Mm -hmm. make sure you've got a very clear person you're talking to. Make sure your philosophy, your approach, your backstory, if it's interesting, why you're passionate about design, what you think good design does for people, whatever it is, make sure that copy is showing up on your website. And if you feel you need to run it over, you know, run it by another set of eyes, hire a copywriter or, Mm -hmm. you know, find somebody who looks at websites and looks at marketing copy. I think that between that and hiring a, a photography, I think that's that's where I would spend my money first. Yeah. Yeah. Really good advice. Well, thank you so much, Sandra. Where can yes. people find you if they have more questions or want to check yeah. out SlowStyle? Sure. So www.slowstylehome.com. That's my home base. That's where you can find everything. I am on Instagram. I am currently rebuilding my Instagram feed because it got hacked. Mm. So I'm starting from scratch. So if you want to follow me there, that is at Slow Style Home on Instagram. Don't really hang out on other social media channels. And the podcast is 
also conveniently called Slow Style Home. So any Great. podcast player, you'd find it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We'll include all those links in the show notes. And it's just been a joy talking with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I loved talking about this and I hope it's been helpful. And I really appreciate your time and giving me the time. Oh, thank you. So I really thought that was interesting and maybe something I hadn't even thought about before. Last episode in 75, we talked about pursuing publications, but also interior designers should pursue being on podcasts, just like pursuing a publication. So I really love what she had to say about that, about how interior designers can approach podcasters to be on the show and why they want to do so. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. Go and check out her podcast as well. Also, if you're interested in slow style design, you can reach out to her and learn a little bit more about that. That's all I have for you this week. Stay tuned. Next week, we'll have another great episode. And until then, stay creative. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode, please leave a rating and a review. This helps me reach other curious creatives like you. If you have a topic request or would like to contact me, simply head over to my website, rwarddesign.com or email me at podcast at rwarddesign.com.